0: This episode of our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by Zapper. Zapper is one of the world's leading XR companies. Over the past 12 years, they've won numerous awards for memorable campaigns. They've democratized AR by making tools and SDKs that anyone can use. And they created Zapbox, the world's most affordable mixed reality headset. Most recently, Zapper worked with Unilever to create an enhanced QR code called Accessible QR which enables packaged goods to speak to the blind and partially sighted. If you're thinking XR, give the team at Zapper a call or visit Zapper.com to see how they can help you on your XR journey. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz. For This Week in XR, it's February 16th, 2024. Roni is at a medical conference somewhere on the East Coast. So it'll be me and Ted soloing like the old days. How are like you? The old days. This is, this is This Week in XR
1: Classic Edition. <laughs> except we're going to be talking about AI mostly of course. the whole time. And, a, and Roni is not just at a healthcare conference. He's at a healthcare and AI conference. And how those two dovetail, which...
0: I'm we should change the short. name of the podcast to This Week in AI, except I think there are three other This Week in yeah, AI. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, so we can keep the old brand even though we talk about new things.
1: Impossible not to talk about it. It is literally, we're going to talk about Sora today, right? OpenAI's new foray. And I was joking with some friends of mine in in our entertainment business going, we humans had a nice run here for a while, but I think it might be over, friends.
0: (laughs) I've I've been asking for years what happens when we can't tell what's real anymore. We're about to find out. We're about to find out. Yeah. Yikes. It's funny because OpenAI had a bigger announcement yesterday morning. Where they're adding a feature that they really need badly, yeah, like it's, the permanence or
1: something, right? Yeah, it,
0: it's memory. I don't know if you made a GPT for yourself, but every time I go to that GPT, I have to reload every PowerPoint, every Google Doc, and to right. do that, of course, I have to turn them into PDFs, and it's a whole process. A whole process, yeah, that yeah. I don't want to go through every time I engage with it fresh. And the GPTs that people make and put in the store suffer from the exact same thing, right? Some of them work okay anyway because of chat GPT just being good. But without the memory, it is exactly like Gemini and exactly like Bing, except it brings you fewer direct sources. And anyway, the news about Sora came out a few hours later. They, OpenAI just not not kind of overtook personal. the story, right? Yeah, yeah, they don't do press releases. They just do blog posts. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they have comms people. Of course, they have comms people, but I can't find any of them. So just... <laughs> you know,
1: they throw these little nuggets out on Twitter <laughs> and then it gets <laughs> disseminated through the ether. But so.
0: the Sora could not be kept down. One right. minute it can prompt. We should have described it for people yeah. who haven't heard this news because it's so fresh. You can now prompt with the next version of Dali will allow you to prompt Videos up to one minute in length. Mm -hmm. And the samples that they're showing are stunning. This is not like a janky video you're getting out of Pika or Runway. It looks like fucking television.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's now given we're seeing a small collection of like early crafted cultivated stuff that they post on website and people are doing, but now we get to watch what the user community does with it and does it actually hold up to the cultivated version of the first example. But compared to runway as an example, which one is a really interesting and powerful tool and stability AI and all these things, the competitive forces that are attacking this model of do a text prompt, watch it make something for you, are really starting to get is Battle of the Titans craziness now. The amount of money being thrown at
0: these yeah. companies, at Pika and all these companies to compete with one another, is stunning. And the number of brilliant people working in the field is also stunning. Yeah. So I don't think that the innovation is going to stop. I'm looking forward to hearing more about Sora, because I think that's, that can change a lot of things.
1: Yeah. No, I was trying to put it into some kind of like our life's historical perspective as to, have we seen anything like this? Was any of the advent of the home computer revolution... Anything like this, there was certainly efficiencies that started to move away from we stopped using fax machines and paper to typewrite on and physical books and all the things started to change. But we still had the old stuff a lot for a long time. This is almost instantaneous how much is being changed. And to your point, it may be because there's just so much funding and so much froth around people attacking this problem. The, The smartest people on planet Earth are working on this with unlimited funds from some of the biggest tech giants on the planet. And they're battling, they're really battling to get the thing that's going to that's catch. So it's well, that's, that's what
0: makes this show interesting week to week. Yeah. It's funny, we d- it's, there were not a lot of big business announcements, but there were a lot of big technology announcements. Yeah. And also we should have said at the top of the show, congratulations to NVIDIA, just passed Amazon's market cap. Making it the third largest company. Yeah, in- so they're
1: the what, third or fourth largest company in the world. Yeah, right, right.
0: they just traded places between number three and number four with Amazon.
1: And the all people. because of AI. You can literally directly target it.
0: To by a lot of that money being thrown at all these AI companies is ending up at NVIDIA. In NVIDIA's pocket. They're the picks and shovels of the whole thing, right? Exactly. Right. So they just introduced a free demo of a locally run AI chatbot. Uh, Any, or I should say, newer NVIDIA RTX cards inside of your computer can now run a local AI, which I guess they're calling Chat with RTX, that will search the files on your computer and your YouTube and whatever else you tell it to search. It doesn't search everything. It just searches things relevant to you, and it's local, right? No one's
1: keeping track of it. It's just yours. I I thought that was a very compelling idea. Yeah. I feel like Intel is doing some versions of this too. It's much less exposed. They're trying to find ways to compete with NVIDIA now that NVIDIA has outpaced them in a lot of ways on this front. And when we were at CES, we did a whole private tour of walking around all these hardware-accelerated GPT and AI functionality, and they were showing really interesting efficiencies. And they have this Gaudi chip, right? This Gaudi 2 chip, I guess it's called. And I think part of that is both localized and externalized in terms of how you choose to use the hardware. So they're in that game too. And no doubt AMD, the specter looming as to what will they do in this process Their their client, stock is
0: up 50% just on that speculation.
1: Just to try and take a little notch out of the the NVIDIA
0: the pot, right? Well, all sorts of money is being assembled to make AI chips. They're just not gonna people are not waiting around for NVIDIA to eat the whole market. They've got a couple of years because it takes so long to tool up, but not much longer. And their market share at that point would be diminished, except they're a company that is good at innovating. So they're going to keep topping themselves and it's going to make it challenging for people to break in. But AMD is a big company that has been at it for a long time, really knows how to do this. But you're right.
1: The level of speculation of it will not just be just one. And then the other dark horse in the running that doesn't get enough credit is our friends at Qualcomm. Like they've got a huge amount of resources and structure. Keep an eye on Intel, AMD, and Qualcomm as to how they round out the ecosystem and what their choices are going to be building these chipsets going forward. So it'll be very interesting.
0: So here's our next favorite topic. Unfortunately, Roni's not here because he really is passionate about this. It's the patent and trademark dispute and the copyright lawsuit. Sarah Silverman and Michael Chabon and other artists brought against right. chat GPT. A judge ruled in California that most of their claims are not supported by facts. Yeah. Open AI may have ingested Michael's books, but Michael can't prompt it to print out pages. I think that is their exposure with the New York Times is that the New York Times actually got them to plagiarize them. Yes. And, and that is illegal. A
1: direct one to one correlation, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. But none, but they can't show that. So the judge said there's some state laws that maybe a couple of these claims could continue under, but most of them are not going to pass muster. I That Roney is right. It's going to end up in the Supreme Court, but I don't see the Supreme Court putting chat GPT out of business. People put their stuff up on the Internet. There's always a risk someone is going to copy it for some purpose. Among the purposes one would copy for, this seems to be the most innocuous and anonymous. But on the other hand, Roni feels strongly and and has a very strong rationale for our need to really start to enforce trademark and copyright law in a world where things are so easily duplicated.
1: Right. This is something that we talk about a lot. The world is talking about a lot. I think we go back just in our little microsphere of of the podcast we've done in the past few months. What was interesting is if if the listeners go back to the Gary Shapiro discussion when because he's a lawyer that went on to become the head of of the CTA, which runs CES, his comments around fair use and the whole VHS copying world, so that's with good historical context, were very insightful. And I thought he was one that says, you're going to have to let the free market figure this out, and you're going to have to let people stand up for the rights that they need to protect and hold it. But you're right. When everything is so easily accessible and so powerful, and we can find anything but it gets very muddy and complicated when you're talking about how we get inspiration, how humans get inspiration to do things. Now we're applying a technological layer that's maybe the most powerful we've ever seen compared to the library initially and Google search later on in life. Now we've got AI. And I think Gary Shapiro is largely correct about the fact that the discovery of this will be the the concept of fair use, and who make the decision of you cross that line, and it's going to be very difficult to accomplish. that. So you're right. Roney would be good insightful today on that. We'll let him do it next. He's, week.
0: Yeah, he's very passionate about it, and he's especially concerned about intellectual property theft from China, where the U.S. has sure. an ability to enforce. Yeah, to protect it. Here's a tidbit that I thought was worth sharing. The Patent and Trademark Office has finally ruled that while AI an AI cannot hold a copyright legally, prompting is legitimate human activity, which can be copyrighted. It looks like the dude who lost the art contest at the very least can get a trademark for the art he created. But I do think this is a big thing, more and more art and copyrightable uh, original content is going to be made by people who are curators.
1: At any rate, yeah, I, I think what you're talking about in terms of copyright protection, it is, I think it's a very good step that they did side on the fact that a piece of technology cannot have ownership of a copyright. The, the human ability, our humanity is what we protect. Right. right? Maya is not
0: going to own a copyright, right? Correct. Autodesk Correct. is not going to own the copyright. Those
1: are tools. But the people that work at Autodesk, if they came up with a module inside Maya that was very the art unique. That they make, the art that they make with
0: the tool is theirs. And Correct. that should not change because that is precisely what AI does.
1: That's exactly right. So I think that's a good... I think we both are aligned on that this aired on the side of correctness.
0: Yeah. So nice to see the right thing win sometimes. Every once in a while. We have a great guest today. Let's bring her in. Suzanne Haspinger. She's the co-founder and CEO of the ARVR Specialist Hololight, a European company that just raised $23 million. We talked about that in the fall. I look forward to hearing more about the company. Suzanne was a speaker at AWE. She's been in our world for a while. I think I have met her, but now I'll know when she comes on this second. Hi. Suzanne, welcome. Nice to meet you. Absolutely. I, but I couldn't remember if we had met at AWE or not. Um, but uh, I... We
2: have met, I think, in 2017 at the AWE in Munich. I still have your signed book at home.
0: Oh, my God. Thank okay. you. I don't know if you've met Ted before.
2: I don't think so. Probably, but we bumped into each other at some expo or something. Sure.
0: Susan, uh, your company, Hololite, is working with some very big companies in Europe. Maybe we could start off just hearing a little bit about uh, Hololite and what you guys are are doing, um, what projects you're on, uh, and then we can move on to other topics.
2: Yeah, for sure. Thanks. So with Hololight, we are basically working on a streaming technology for AR and VR in the industry. So instead of putting uh, applications and data on the mobile devices, uh, which it's a problem with uh, the power of the devices, with data security, and even just with the user management itself. Uh, you can put everything on a server, could be a cloud or an on-prem server like most of our customers currently do have, but also cloud is coming more and more and only have a stream of the application. So basically only the pictures of the application going to your devices.
1: Hmm. So you're managing bandwidth you're allowing it to be used in more mobile applications and don't require some heavy lift on where you can fire up these XR use cases. Is that
2: yeah, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, it's a bit of a virtual desktop management, but with 3D applications instead of desktops. Right.
0: My impression, though, just based on the pre-show material you got, was that HoloLite is focused on AR, VR, and has many XR projects with Fortune 500 companies.
2: Yeah, that's true. We have quite some big customers in our world, So customers like the common ones with BMW, which we use a lot in marketing, but also big US customers uh, like Lockheed or Northrop Grumman. We are proud to have as users of our technology.
0: Can you be more specific about what technology they're using? We just talked about cloud streaming, but... Uh, can we talk more about the XR aspect of it?
2: So they are using our streaming technology basically, no matter which customer it is, for all different kind of use cases. From the starting of the design phase and prototyping phase to skip building prototypes and make fast design reviews up to training use cases with software partners of ours or maintenance and collaboration tools also with ISV partners who have their own applications, which are used in the streaming network of our customers.
0: Got you. One of the things you've been talking about lately is the industrial metaverse. Does this relate to what NVIDIA is doing with USD, or what does that mean?
1: Omniverse, you're talking about,
0: John. Omniverse. Okay. Thank you, Ted.
2: Basically, with our version of the industrial metaverse, which is called HUB in our terms, It can be directly connected to the Omniverse itself and bring it directly to the AR and VR devices. We are even, with one of our use cases in engineering, we can directly work with the USD files. We can and want to basically work directly with NVIDIA on these terms here.
0: So it sounds a little bit like your company is more broadly involved in helping people keep their digital transformation on track. What, what a PTC does?
2: Wouldn't describe it that way, to be honest. We have basically two goals with our technology. One is to have the efficient way of the and usage of the data. So you don't have to modify it. You don't have to reduce it. You can use directly on the flight, whatever you're already having. And the other one is to keep your data secure as a lot of customers of ours really don't want to put data on their mobile devices. Right. Uh, so these are basically our main focus points here.
1: So you're, you, a lot of these clients, like I did some research on the kind of clients that you're working with, and and some of them probably require very high levels of security and air gap compute systems, right? Because they can't risk putting things on even private versions of the internet because it's so sensitive. I, want, I know, feel free to mention what you can about this or not, but one of your clients looks to be Northrop Grumman, right? Which is one of the biggest defense contractors in the world. Um So I I imagine you're managing that. And I guess BMW is also probably has a lot of secrets that they have to manage. It's another one of your clients, right?
2: Exactly. So as we were developing this technology directly hands-on with our customers, we learned how to deal with their security requirements in a way that they would be happy and we would be happy.
1: And in terms of to give our listeners a little grounding on what you actually do, I think we're talking a lot of theory and that's good to understand how, how many its aspirations are. But your day-to-day stuff is designed around head-worn XR displays. Is that correct? That's your focus. So I'd be curious if that's correct, I'd be curious. What are the ones that you're leaning into? What devices are you finding at an enterprise level are the ones that are most successful? And of course, the second part of that question is: Do you have a level of interest and curiosity about the new Apple Vision Pro? I would imagine you're using things like the Hololens and its various sort of left leftover iterations of what it still can do in enterprise. But I'd be curious what your take is on that.
2: Uh, Yeah. So you guessed it already, right? We are focusing from the beginning on the head-mounted devices. So we started with HoloLens at the beginning. So it's still one of the most common used devices in our customers. Mm -hmm. We also see it a lot in the industry. What's also starting now to come more and more is the Magic Leap. And what's going on a lot, especially with the price point and the availability, is the MetaQuest 3.
1: Oh, using the Quest 3, yeah, in fact in our business, we're discovering things about the Quest 3 that it can do that even just a generation before it couldn't do, is you can use a Quest 3 effectively outside or in very overly bright lit conditions like a factory floor that were sometimes fighting a Quest 1 or Quest 2, and the Quest 3 all in one, extremely light, and a windowsy ish infrastructure so you can build applications custom, whereas Apple is much more Apple, right? They're in their concentric circles of creating this wonderful experience, but I'd be curious where you fall on that. If you're using the Quest 3 for enterprise clients, will Apple even find a home there for you?
2: Um, Our point right now, as we tested the Apple uh, device, we think it will depend completely on the customers and the use case. It will probably end up like Android, iOS, and phones right now. Everybody has his opinion. There are customers and companies who are Android only, others are iOS only. But we are already looking forward to the first events now with, uh, where we will showcase uh, some of our demos already on the Apple Vision Pro. And we are already looking forward to the feedback of our customers there.
1: Great. Will well, we... I think Microsoft is so interesting because of, even though there's this world perception that HoloLens is a failed device, it's being used in enterprise all over the place still because it's so capable. When you don't need to have this massive field of view and you're not looking to entertain people, you're this is people's jobs. So they need to have a very distinct use case without any wires, without a battery pack hanging in your pocket, and something that is comfortable to wear and you can flip it up and use it in an industrial environment. I really feel like the Hololens um, is a sort of a secret weapon for for Microsoft, and it would be interesting to see if they, if someone at Microsoft is knowing that they do need to move forward with that technology in some fashion. Um, that would be
2: definitely interesting to know.
1: <laughs> yeah, for all of us, me and Charlie too. <laughs>
2: But right now on the market, you can see a lot of cool devices also with the Lenovo A3 and the VRX. Things are moving in a very good direction, I think. Right.
1: Cool. And you mentioned Magically 2. Magically 2 is remarkable. Ronnie's usually with us. He's at an AI conference this week, but I'm sure you'd have tons of questions about what you're doing with ML2 because enterprise is their big focus now, right? So.
2: Yeah. Depending on the use cases, devices are the device is amazing. Just the visual quality is. Definitely a selling argument for
0: us. It's interesting that you guys are emphasizing the enterprise applications of the Quest 3. It's been tough for people in XR to get their devices rapidly adopted. I was talking to RealWare and Vuzix, and these are companies that have developed terrific technology for industrial applications, but are having a very hard time getting those 10,000, unit orders that they really need to have the volume to stay in business. I wonder about your perspective on their difficulties and what does that tell us about industry adoption right now?
2: That's a good question. What we see right now is a lot of bigger customers and enterprises basically were testing and evaluating in the last year a lot of different devices, but now step-by-step, all of them choose the one they want to go with. So we saw now a couple of our customers who decided, hey, in this area, we want to go with this specific device. And they also ordered now, uh, corresponding to them, a bigger number of devices. But as it's a new technology for them, I understand that it took some time for them to evaluate the different options and to figure out what was the way to go for them. And now as Apple is also joining the game, I think it was a final sign for a lot of people who were waiting for the market to get more mature.
1: Understood. Are you able to share, I guess, for his first question. How, for these big enterprise companies where I would make a presumption that they're not hyper price sensitive on the devices if they're going to buy them at scale with a Quest 3 at six, 700 retail US and a Magic Leap at 25 or 3500 and a, and a HoloLens, if you can even get them at 3500, how much is priced? Uh, versus capability pass-through versus like optical pass-through devices in the thousands of dollars versus video pass-through devices in the hundreds of dollars, how much of that factors into the large enterprise companies' decisions and those managers on the device they use to deploy uh, some of the XR for the training and tools that you do? Um,
2: For our customers, you can really see as soon as they have evaluated the use cases and the ROI of it, uh, it's not really a matter of the price of the device itself because it's really so strongly dependent on the use case. If you just skip one big prototype, you already brought in the num- the money of several devices. Regarding the video pass-through uh, and so on, it depends on the use cases in the industries and also on the geographics of the customers, what we see, because for example, in Europe, in some areas, you can't use tethered devices in production areas. Would be too risky. But So they like to go with the HoloLens. Uh, they can't use a video pass-through as it would be a security concern in some areas because if the video pass-through would be half a second late, this can be half the second the robot is faster than you would think it is. Yeah, no, I understand. So it depends on the use cases in the area. So it's mainly driven by uh which kind of specifics work for which area.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense that the optical pass-through has extraordinary benefits because there is no latency. Video always has some degree of latency. And we are talking about machine vision, machine learning, and machines doing things at thousands of a second. Not seeing that in real time could be very detrimental, right? It's very yeah. dangerous probably too.
2: Yeah. And you don't want to risk stuff like that, I think. Sure.
0: Suzanne, what are, what are the most common applications that you're seeing? There must be some similarities across industries. What are the kinds of things that XR is doing and changing in the workflow of those companies? Uh,
2: What we see most of the time is that prototyping and design area. So instead of having tons of engineers working on designs and prototypes in uh, virtual environments like Katia or similars, they do this now like they did before, but instead of sending it to the prototyping department, who then gives a prototype within the next couple of months, they make their multi-user using our technology and visualize it already in AR or VR, depending on where they are based, and can evaluate the designs. They can showcase it to their managers. They can already make next steps where they would usually have to wait months. Yeah, so things become much
1: more dynamic, much more real-time, much more creative. Yeah. Things uh, get
2: faster, things get easier. You don't this have is to, campfire,
0: to This is what Campfire is trying to
1: do. Sure.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a That's startup that Charlie been- and I know that is using a custom XR headset, high resolution. I think it, there was a legacy. It came out of the, what was the name of the company? Meta. Um, Meta. Meta. Also Meta, of course. How do I miss that? Um, original Meta. The original Meta that they adopted this very large field of views, walrus lens. Device and they built a business around enterprise. I, I would imagine some of your technical people have evaluated that Campfire solution, Suzanne, in in your world and looked at. But it's not ubiquitous like a Quest Three or even a Magic Leap. But it's a more custom.
2: Pretty sure we came across it. I think I've heard it sometime of our tech, technical departments, though. It
0: allows for remote three D collaboration between distant groups. Yes. So you could be in Munich, I could be here in Los Angeles. And we could both be looking at the same and manipulating the same 3D object. Cool. Yeah, it's Uh,
1: worth looking at. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you said that 2024 is going to be the year that we see companies really getting substantial ROI on their investments in XR. Can you talk about that for a little while?
2: Yeah, for sure. What we see with all of our customers, they are already in that process of see, process of seeing our rise in the use cases they are heading into, but they are now starting to roll it out. They are getting bigger and bigger. And once one department sees, hey, I can really speed things up here, usually the department next door is just like saying, hey, how do you do that? I want to try that too. So we see now uh, it starts to spread over the different companies and it starts to move on and get a bit faster.
0: Yep. Because you can get the advocacy and buy-in already inside of the culture. So you
1: just have to ask for it now.
2: Yes. It's already there. People just have to jump on the train now.
1: As much as you can share, Suzanne, about like some of the most impressive things you've seen with your clients and their use of XR, walk through our listeners on, they use this particular headset in this way with this software. Maybe if you could call out BMW or Northrop, those are the, the companies that we know well, but maybe there's some other unique companies that you're working with that are a little less well-known that are doing something really amazing and magical with your tool set. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to give people a little practical. This is what it looks like. This is what a day-to-day you know, problem that they're solving with this stuff is. And I'm also curious if you're doing anything in healthcare um protection, right? Other vertical.
2: I think one of the most uh, impressive things I've seen at one of our customers was with one company. They are producing cooling infrastructure for crusade ships for big factory halls. And within the demo meeting, they used one of their current files as all their cooling infrastructures are one of the kind as they always have to adapt to the specifics of the customer in their end. And while they tested it and they had this 10 meter times 10 meter big infrastructure, in the HoloLens visualizing and walked through it step-by-step. Step. Our uh, contact there put the HoloLens aside and jumped out of the room. We were all sitting there, what went wrong now? And he came back 10 minutes later and was just like, thank you for showing me, I just found a problem in the plan. Oh, well, no. And we could solve it before we produced it. Otherwise, they so literally he walked
1: have... out of the meeting, fixed the problem and came back.
2: Yeah. It was amazing, especially usually if this issue happens, they figure it out a couple of months later. And in the worst case, this infrastructure is somewhere in the middle of the ocean. So they have to fly there and figure out how to solve the issue. This way, they could solve it even before they produced it. That's
1: a it really good really story. It was really amazing to see this. They were, we were, Charlie and I were joking before you joined that if our friends in Seattle at Boeing had more HoloLenses around, Maybe someone would have been in a meeting and he would have a hollands on and go, oh, I forgot to put those bolts back on. I got to go out. <laughs> he comes out and says, we fixed it. Don't worry. The door's not coming off now. We can obviously thank God nobody died so we can laugh about it. But hopefully that fixed So problems. And maybe they're using more XR technology in the aircraft industry as well to analyze things and look at things. We hope anyway.
0: It's funny. Jets are super complicated today and wiring is a big issue with them. Uh, but the problem in this case was not electronic.
1: No, it was the $2 bolts. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so the I think. The issue I, I, always um,
2: is the human.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a, the issue is always the human. That's right. Uh, Suzanne, maybe we could take a little detour here and talk a little bit about your personal background and how you and your partners came to found Hololite in 2015, which was very early going. So you guys have been at this nine years, uh, and it looks like you finally got that big investment and you're getting major traction. So maybe is that why you're so optimistic about uh, ROI in 2024 for your clients?
2: I think you have to be optimistic as a person if you start a company in an area of a new technology. That yes, that's true. But yeah, so basically, we founded the company in 2015. The four of us: Florian, Alex, and Louis, and myself. Uh, Flo, Alex, and myself. We met at university. Flo and Alex knew each other already for 15 years now. So. They basically spent half of that, half of their lives now together. And we met Louis in Munich while working at Osram at that time. And we all knew we wanted to do something on our own. We knew, hey, we don't want to work for somebody else. We want to create something, but we never really had the idea of what we want to do. But we all saw at our university and student jobs we had, there was always so much information. Always stored on a PC, but the information, that knowledge was never brought to the people itself. And when one of my co-founders, Alex, found the press release for the HoloLens, we were all, the four of us, just, okay, that's it. We want to do exactly this. We want to use these, are, these kind of devices to bring that knowledge and that information we have stored in PCs to the people itself. And uh, two weeks later, uh, on the 1st of April, suddenly, uh, we started Hololite.
0: Who was your first customer?
2: One of our, our first customer was BMW.
0: That was a good start.
2: Yeah, it was a really lucky coincidence. Yeah, the we met them at an expo and ended up in a uh, accelerator program with them. And we con- we continue to work together now since then. But it's interesting.
1: BMW is such a forward-thinking company because this is, goes back in our history and annals of wearable XR. I was doing a lot of stuff with ODG, if you remember them uh, as one of the pioneers in wearable birdbath design, optical XR. And one of their big clients was BMW for their motorcycles to actually build These XR glasses and XR goggles that would both go in cars and motorcycles to have heads up display that you would wear. And this is talking, we're talking probably 10 years ago, at least seven or eight years ago. So BMW, I think, has always had a propensity to look at this. And a lot of the German car manufacturers really seem to understand the idea of the augmented layer. Like a lot of the Audi, BMW, Porsche are very big on putting the reflective information on the dashboard. They
2: they all have the head up displays in their cars.
1: yeah. So they seem to get this more than I think American manufacturers do.
2: We're working a lot with German automotive manufacturers and we see a lot of movements here, but the US is speeding up. We
1: hope so. But it's interesting that your BMW is your first real big client that led you into all these other things.
2: Do you we, do anything
1: in healthcare and architecture? Is that, is those, are those verticals that you're touching?
2: We had a couple of touch points with architecture and healthcare, but. Um, it's not really our focus areas as we don't have that much uh, experience in it and you need really special uh, knowledge for these areas. We have one partner who is in it, but that's only one specific partner. Maybe
1: that's a growth area for you. Maybe that's the next horizon. Healthcare for (laughs) sure is doing a lot of overlay uh, for surgery and and augmented use cases for surgical procedures and training now. So I think that's that's a big vertical that's worth looking at it.
2: Definitely. In the future, it's definitely an interesting area. But I think for this, we need to scale the sales team a bit.
0: I understand. You you know who we had on, Ted? We're talking about Sido Dedra, who's the head of UI and UX at Audi. He was using the Magic Leap and put an amazing demo online. And Roni Roni said, we have to have him. So I went and searched him out.
1: Super interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. There's a a lot underneath the covers. They don't get exposed as much as these sort of, entertainment and gaming layers and certainly the AI layers, but there's a huge industry. Charlie, you and I, we reflect on this almost every couple of weeks on the podcast, of the unknown industries that are completely leveraging XR technology to the success of these companies and helping very large enterprise companies succeed in ways they couldn't do it without XR. So it's a much bigger deal, I think, than people realize. It doesn't get exposed as much, but it's a big deal. Suzanne, I, I always envisioned
0: the direction of XR in automotive in sort of the way that Disney does XR in its theme parks. So you're sitting inside of essentially a a giant 360 theater and the world or the entertainment is playing out in the windows as the car drives itself from point to point.
2: That would be cool. As (laughs) soon as we're there, we're probably streaming. We we will be streaming this too. We can stream it. Charlie, our friends
1: at Holo Ride, which is another Holo-type company, are doing that with um, XR devices now. And they actually have partners with German car companies, too. German car companies, I think, are very forward-thinking about it. I know Audi was one of their first partners in terms of VR entertainment in car and linking the gyros so that you don't get nauseous. But
0: also, the movement of the car is part of the game.
1: Yes. But it has to be so precise so that you don't get sick, right? It's a lot of engineering, which is why Germans like it, because it's engineering profit at all. <laughs>
0: Suzanne, it looks like we're coming up with a half hour and that's all the time we have for our interview. Uh, I wonder if you want to share some parting shots about uh, Hololite and whether we'll see you at AWE and uh, how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in exploring possible partnerships.
2: Sure. So if you want to get in touch, just contact me directly via LinkedIn or give us a shout out over our website. And we will be at MWC, we will be at the TTC, at NVIDIA, and we will be, of course, at the AWE. So you Great. shouldn't be able to miss us.
1: All right. Well, the... all... Charlie and I, and you, you'll, you'll join us as part of the gang. That we'll, We all go to dinner and do something at AWE together. Yeah. And AWE is not in uh, the Bay Area this year. It's in Long Beach. Oh, so yes. SoCal. That should be nice.
0: June, June 18th to 20th. Also, I should tell everybody who's listening to the podcast, that Ted, Roney, and I, along with Jerry Ellsworth, will be doing a featured panel at South by Southwest on March 12th. So if you're going to South by or thinking about it, it's the most fun event of the year. Uh, I look forward to it. They have a fantastic uh, XR exhibition, uh, a lot of location-based VR that you will never see anywhere else. Uh, So they do a terrific job. Blake Kammerdiener will be with us. Uh, on March 1st, we'll do a little bit of a curtain raiser and look at all the different things that are going on in Austin that week. Suzanne, it was a pleasure speaking with you this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thanks
2: for inviting me.
0: Our our pleasure. It was uh, terrific to talk about Enterprise XR. We don't do it enough. Uh, All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see
1: you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week.
2: Bye.